Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 23 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing this week? Uh, pretty well, man. Pretty well. Uh, ups and downs, which we'll talk about in a second. Yes, we will, because Dave, <laughs> shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Uh, the first star of the week, Matt, is that my eyes still function to see those five stars through the brutal, brutal cold that envelops Cleveland right now. Oh, it is bad. Yeah, I honestly, I don't remember the last time it was this cold. The high today was zero with a wind chill of negative uh, 25. Tomorrow, the high is up to like five or six, but the wind is supposed to be worse. Like the wind chill is supposed to be down to negative 28, I think. Yeah, man. Uh, let me tell you, waiting for the bus this morning was unpleasant. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, this is actually one of the times, and there's a lot of times, Matt, that it's great to be a teacher because I do, again, love my job, but uh, I did not have work today, nor do I have it tomorrow. So yeah, little, no, I understand that. Little impromptu four-day weekend, which is pretty rad, which is, it's great. Um, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday they called... Because there's like an auto auto callie system, right? Sure. And yesterday, it was normally they wait until like the evening. You know what I mean? Because they don't want to like cancel it too early. But it was supposed to be so cold today. They called it like five o'clock yesterday. Oh wow! And then today, I actually I missed the call. Like I was doing something around the house. My phone was off sitting somewhere. They just called it three o'clock. Like the day, the school day would not even have been over today, and they already canceled it for tomorrow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, dude, um, like a ton of kids in our district walk, and it's just not, like, it's dangerous. It's not just unpleasant. It's, like, actively dangerous. Oh, no, I hear you, dude. Like, as, as I said, I was waiting for the bus this morning, and, like, I was glad to have worn my long johns, because it was frigid. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was looking around like for something to drink and we had run out of seltzer water and I was like, ah, we're out of seltzer. And my bath, my wife was like, uh, well, you could run out and get some. And I was like, maybe when the sun has risen tomorrow, <laughs> like dawn has always been the friend of man or something. What is it? Dawn has always been the hope of man. I think that's it. Yeah. I tell you, man, I have been doing nothing but sitting in my apartment this week. It's just been too cold to leave, which actually leads me into our second star. Because you know what I've been doing while I've been sitting around this week, Dave? I don't, Matt. Um, yet, on... uh, sorry, Matt. Yet dawn is ever the hope of men. Ah, thank you. Sorry. Not that anybody but you and I cared, but I don't even know if you cared, but I did. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. So what have you been doing this week, Matt, as you've been sitting around? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, on Tuesday, I got my delivery of the Zoo Ranger DVD set from Shout Factory that just came out. Nice. And that's pretty much been my week. That um, is awesome. It's 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 been really nice because I've been such I've been down such a die ranger hole the whole time mm -hmm. we've been watching this. Oh yeah, I've sure. kind of forgotten about all of the other Super Sentai shows that I really liked watching and would like to watch in the future. So I got it and like the first night just binged and watched like ten episodes. I mean they're <laughs> short, you know, they're like twenty minute episodes. Yeah, but... right. Even so, ten ten episodes is a lot. It is. It is a lot of. Zoo uh, Ranger, and it was great. The weird thing that I forget about Zoo Ranger is because, like, you've really only ever watched Die Ranger, but Zoo Ranger is very different. It's like a, 
it's sort of like a it's more like a fairy tale oh where it's okay. like you know they're fighting a witch and they're not right teenager teenagers who are plucked from modern day they are ancient warriors who are revived to fight this witch who's come back after 170 million years who is dedicated to the goal of stamping out humanity and in particular children and so it's all of this sort of like prince princess knight champion people like protecting children against witches and monsters yeah no that sounds really cool it is it's very different it's very cool the tone is pretty different so i i'm not going to talk about it too much because there is thought that, that will be the next one that we do yeah um i'd like to either do Zhu ranger which would be way easier because there are dvds or maybe move on to the series that comes after this one which is uh kaku ranger which i actually watched the first episode of this week to try to just sort of get ahead of the project um kaku ranger i don't know if you remember because you stopped watching power rangers pretty early on but kaku ranger was the show that was transformed into uh mighty morphin alien rangers oh dude they were Anyway, the the gist of it is it's weird because they were the Japanese show is all about ninjas who okay. are fighting these monsters who had been sealed away behind a magic seal and then like the ancestors of the old heroes accidentally revive the old monsters and they need to take up the mantle of the the Kaku Rangers to fight them, right? That sounds pretty rad. It is. But the American version is a 10-episode, like, mini-series that exists to bridge the gap between Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and uh, Zeo Rangers. And they're in space, and they're using, like, the special martial arts of some alien race, and it's weird. Uh, it might be cool. I've never watched it. Um, I've really only ever seen one of the characters from... Uh, I think the Red Ranger from that show shows up in the Forever Red episode which did i make you watch forever red oh yeah well i mean made is probably a strong term you alerted me to its existence uh yeah you alerted me to its existence and i then immediately went and watched it okay guys uh listeners if you haven't seen forever red um and if you're listening to this show you probably have but if you haven't it is a (laughs) reunion episode where the first 10 i think it's the first 10 red rangers except for rocky um, who was the second Mighty Morphin Red Ranger after Jason left. The rest of the Red Rangers all get together for like a 10-year anniversary special to go fight somebody. And I think the Red Ranger from Alien Rangers was in that. But that was the only real exposure I'd had to anything about that. Mm-hmm. And Kaku Ranger is wild. Because it's in, <laughs> like, you know, that is the series that was in 1994, um, and man, they are dressed like it is 1994. Fantastic. Like the, the the outfits make a big jump from Dire Ranger to Kaku Ranger. There's a lot of plaid, like a lot of plaid. Okay, yeah. But it I won't be the it. whole shirt that's plaid. There'll just be a square of it that is plaid next oh, to a different yeah. square that is a different plaid. Yeah, definitely. 90s, man. Yeah, you know, one of them's wearing like an Air Force t-shirt and a bandana, but not Japanese Air Force, U.S. Air Force. Ban- oh, it gets, everything you're saying makes me want to watch this show. <laughs> so, who knows? We, we might do Zhu Ranger, we might do Kaku Ranger, depending on how long we keep doing this podcast, we might end up doing both. Yeah, but, dude, who knows? Uh, yeah, watch an, old, watch an old Sentai shows that aren't this one. That was my second star. No, that's uh, awesome. Guys, the, the Zhu Ranger DVDs aren't that expensive. I think 
You can get them on uh, Amazon for like 40 bucks. So, oh, seriously? Oh, yeah, dude. I don't know why. In my head, like they were just more than that. No, dude. I think they're 50 bucks from the Shout Factory website and cheaper on Amazon. They're pretty baseline DVDs. Like, There's not special features or anything. It's just the show with subtitles. Dude, I would buy... Like, I wish they just sold that. Like, I would pay extra money for less DVD, oftentimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, unless there's a direct, like, a commentary track on the thing, I basically never care about a special feature. Yeah, I don't care. I just want to watch the thing. Um, Okay, so that's our second star. Dave, what is our third star of the week? So, third star of the week, Matt, is uh, we're actually recording this a little bit early this week because this upcoming Saturday, I am playing in a Netrunner tournament. Uh, at down at my local a local comic slash games shop. Actually, I'm sorry. Actually, they don't sell comics. They are just a game store. But yeah, That's me exciting. and uh, yeah, I'm. I think it's going to be super fun. I have never played in like a game tournament before. Just because I'm is it not just you going down, or is it uh, the rest? Oh of the, no no no! The like me crew. and uh, yeah, like me and Bill, who we've mentioned on the podcast before. And our friend Ben and Josh and some other guys are going down. Um, but it looks like it's going to be super fun. I don't expect to do well, mind you. Oh, good heavens, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not... Yeah, like, I am not expecting to win uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm frankly not even expecting to get into, like, the top, like, tier of play. But uh, but I think it'll be fun. I've been playing a lot of Netrunner recently. Really been digging it. Well, you actually, you told me that you got the like the base set, right? Yeah, I picked up the base set a couple of weeks ago, um, and I've I basically I have played it enough I to have played both sides of the game once because you okay. either play as the corporations or the uh, Runner. the runners who are attacking yeah. the corporations, and I played as each side once. Okay, well, yeah, we should. Um, looks time I see you, we should play, but yeah, there's Absolutely. gonna be. There's not really a whole lot to say about it, I guess. I have been. So we've been doing a lot of like playtesting, right? Okay. And this is a process uh, that is much more familiar to a lot of the other guys that I kind of hang out and play with because they're all magic players or like they were magic players. Like this was like a very large part of their like childhood, right? Oh yeah, man. Those guys uh, love magic. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, although they actually have kind of stopped playing. But um, I as you know, was not. Like, I was not a CCG guy. Like, I got in, I we played Overpower, which we've mentioned, like, for a while, and it sort of soured me on the entire experience. And so, um, <laughs> the problem is, is I don't actually know how good I am at Netrunner. Like, I do not have, like, a real great baseline because all the people I play with are, like, very good at it. And so when I play with them, I just get walloped, like, almost every time. Okay, so there is no winning. There is just figuring out how to lose less badly. Well, I'm, I hold out, I hold out hope, Matt. I'm edging towards, I'm edging towards winning. Like, every once in a while, I'll manage to, like, pull a victory out. Like, but uh, it is more like, I'm not going to say dumb luck, but... You know, it is not like the sort of calculated, powerful victory. Is it? you know what I'm saying? Like as a gamer, you oh want no, to like win you are absolutely doing. 
you're doing your best, but a lot of things need to fall into place for you to get a win. I know exactly how that yeah. is. Yeah, precisely. Like, it is not like the sort of dedicated, like, yes, victory, because, like, I did the thing and I did it right, and, like, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. So it's a very satisfying curve for me right now. All right, man. Well, good luck. You'll have to report in next week and let me know how yeah. it went. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I have a prediction for you, Matt. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's what I'm doing with my Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, it's a short one, Matt, but that was our third star. What? What, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star of the week is actually yet another uh, Super Sentai-related thing. Yeah, can't um, go wrong with that. I got a tweet earlier today from one of our uh, friends on Twitter. Um, let's see, it is... Alpha Power 65, who is at Ken2158. Uh, so thank you, Alpha Power slash Ken. Hey, Ken. Um, and it is a video. It's like two hours long of Dang. behind the scenes recording of Die Ranger. Oh. And so that's cool. what I, what I can sort of piece together, cause I haven't watched a bunch of it yet. Cause as I say, it is two hours and I just got it today. Right. Um, and you guys can find it. I have retweeted it. So if you check ours, uh, check our Twitter feed, it should be on there. Otherwise, you can just punch into YouTube. Like, I think it's titled Rare Sentai Behind the Scenes Video. Um, it was the stunt coordinator from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The, uh, the American. The American one. Who okay. in 93, when Power Rangers was first airing and Die Ranger was airing at the same time, he went over to Japan and I guess he went over to see of how they did their stunts and how they put the show together but he recorded oh, a rad. bunch of it so it's just two hours of you know the kiba dayo standing around like not wearing his helmet <laughs> oh, like oh i don't know if i want to see that actually like, you know like maybe when we're done i want to watch it you know waiting to fight the the ring priestess who is just sort of you know twiddling her thumbs is this like a uh What's the, how to say, like a professionally produced thing? Or is this just like this dude rolling around with like a camcorder? No, it's just like camera rolling. Oh. And he's sort of, oh, okay. so it's just footage. he's just talking over it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. No, this that is not documentary cool. film. This is just, this dude brought a camera to record it, I guess to bring home and show the Money Morphin Power Rangers crew. Again, the, the, my, I could have the details wrong because I haven't watched a bunch of the video yet, but it's really interesting to watch. So I recommend that you do that. Yeah, no, that sounds rad. Well, I have the day off tomorrow, Matt. Maybe I will uh... <laughs> put a little time yeah. in, do your yeah. research. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch it while we're still watching Die Ranger. You know what I mean? Maybe I want to save that. Or maybe we oh, could do... Oh, you know what, Dave? Maybe you shouldn't watch it. Because until I've seen it, I don't know if there's stuff that would be like spoilers in it yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know that stuff. Like, if you had watched it a few weeks ago, you would have seen the Kiba Ranger early. Right. Yeah, which we've already established. They already bring it out too early. I don't want to talk about Okay, I would have seen it. At least, at least now I can blame them. Right. Anyway, but the rest of you, <laughs> um, you should go check it out. It's really fun. Um, that is our fourth star. Dave, what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, Matt. Uh, fifth star, slightly, I don't know, more erudite. Then our first four stars. I have been reading my way through uh, Neil Gaiman's new short story collection. I don't see how that's more erudite but co- than Cocky Ranger, but go ahead. 
<laughs> I was going to try to make a joke about that, and I was just so like gobsmacked. I was like, uh, no, no, I, I recognize that that is a more literary pursuit. <laughs> um, it is, anyways, but it is, needless to say, um, fantastic. It is, uh, it's Neil Gaiman, man. Um, and I think that kind of says, I think that sort of says all you need to know. Um, like if you know Neil Gaiman and you dig him, then it is more Neil Gaiman and you will dig it. If for some, for some reason you do not dig dig Neil Gaiman, which I guess there are people who don't. Um, I'm not one of those people, but yeah, neither am I. Um, but I suppose I won't say that it's all gold. I have read some things of his that I could have done without. I can't think of what they are off the top of my head, but I remember the experience of having read some things of his and walked away unsatisfied. But by and large. Yeah. Well, every once in a while he, you know, I mean, like nobody's pure gold all the time. And I will say for Gaiman that he is a very like, he's a very particular sort of writer. Sure. And let me interject. No one is pure gold all the time, except for the Super Sentai brothers. Yes. Yes. Proceed. (laughs) Thank you for that brief, but important correction. Um, yeah, he is he's a very like particular sort of writer. You know what I mean? He very much has like a like a fairy tale vibe to him. And by fairy tale, I do not mean like like modern children's fairy tale. He's got very much like a Brothers Grimm style fairy tale to him. Um where things are sort of like dark and weird and you know, kind of spooky sometimes, uh, but he's fantastic. He's he's a beautiful craftsman. Um, I'm super digging it. Neil Gaiman, if you're listening to this, by some one in a hajillion chance, we should be best friends. That would be awesome. I'm super behind on this stuff. I haven't even read the, uh, what was that last book? The Ocean at the End of the Lane? I've oh, got dude. it. I just haven't read it yet. I was going to say, like, I have a copy of it. I will lend it to you. No, it's I actually really, have a, I, I actually have a really signed good. copy of it. I just haven't read it. Yeah, that um you know what I haven't read actually, which is weird, is um the one about Ood or Odd. Oh, Odd and the Frost Giants, yeah. Yeah, Odd and the Frost Giants. I for some reason I haven't read Odd and the Frost Giants. I think I have that. I can loan it to you. You know what? Uh I have a copy of it. I just haven't read it. Well, so I guess we are sort of in the same boat there. Yeah. Um, um Yeah, so if you haven't read it, if somehow you're a fan of Neil Gaiman and you didn't know it existed, it does exist, you should go read it. Um, oh. <laughs> it's just if nothing else, me. you know, if nothing else, it'll give you something to read while you're waiting for the third issue of Sandman to come out. <laughs> right. Um, oh, Matt. So this actually, really briefly, this does remind me of a pretty hilarious story because I'm thinking about the Brothers Grimm now. Okay. Well, I was actually thinking about the Brothers Grimm earlier because we were talking about Japanese fairy tales. And do you remember that anime show that was on when we were kids i do remember that show and i think about it frequently i have no idea what it was called if anybody knows it's no no no, i i have you keep talking i'll look this up okay uh anyways so because i'm thinking about the brothers grim the brothers grim and a lot of people do not know this the brothers grim were not like writers of fairy tales they were like really early folklorists so all the stuff that they wrote, like their the, bro- the Grimm Brothers collection of fairy tales, that was never meant to be like a collection for children. That was their like great like 
folklore anthropological opus where they like traveled all over Germany and like collected all these stories. They were actually sort of like grim, haha, ho ho. But they were sort of like dour, kind of serious dudes. Like they're very intense, like scholars of folklore and anthropology and stuff. And there was a story where uh, Hans Christian Andersen, who was a writer of like children's stories, and who did not know this about the Brothers Grimm, he was like a big fan, and so he had like he was in the city in which they lived, and he like showed up or like got a letter of introduction or something, but he like showed up to meet the Brothers Grimm and was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. I'm going to meet the Brothers Grimm. We're going to like talk about stories and stuff. And he like showed up and the Brothers Grimm were like, um, who are you? And he's like, I'm Hans Christian Andersen. Like I write children, you know, like I write these stories. And they're just like, oh, a writer of children's stories. Like how droll. <laughs> <laughs> and Hans Christian Anderson is sort of like crushed because he's expecting to have this like moment with them, and uh, and it didn't happen <laughs> because he did not know what their deal was. Uh, Dave, the show was called uh, Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics. Okay, fantastic. Uh, uh, it ran two seasons. The first of which was called Grimm Masterpiece Theater, and the second was called New Grimm Masterpiece Theater. And I haven't seen this in a long time, although I did just watch the opening and the theme song immediately brought me back to being like eight years old. So yeah, it was no, really I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it right after we're done with this. It's going to be rad. Yeah. Oh man, this show. Uh, never mind. We don't have to talk about Grimm's Fairy Tale <laughs> Classics. Just go check it out sometime. It was a weird little kids anime that I remember being like surprisingly dark for being shown on like Nick Jr. in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> so that is, that is it for the five stars. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 23 of Gosei Sentai Diaranger, which is titled True Love at Full Speed. And we'll be right back with you in a moment. <laughs> okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 23 of Gosei Sentai Diaranger. Dave, why don't you hit us with a quick recap, and then we can get into it. Yeah, sure. Um, this is a Daigo-centric episode. It obviously um, is also going to involve Kujaku. There is a fire-based monster, and we get a little bit more of the backstory between Kujaku and Gara. So we start off this episode with a recap, but not of the episodes that we've just watched, because the last like seven episodes of all right. that one big co-story. So mm-hmm. we actually jump back to a recap of the events of episode 16. And if you remember all the way back to episode 16, that is the last time we saw, um, we saw Kujiku rather. And right. she was being a stone cold killer. Yeah, man. Was not messing around. Get her to stop. Right. And at the end of the episode, the fallout was that, like, kindness had returned to her heart, but we saw that there was something wrong with her. Like, she was getting sick or something. Yeah, and we got... so we start back off uh, sort of picking up that storyline. Right. So, uh, first thing we see, Daigo at the docks. It's like a super quick scene. We see Daigo at the docks. He's got, like, this one peacock feather, which, okay, I assume at this point that it's got to be, like... There's got to be, like, Kiryoku magic or something sustaining this feather. Because it's, like, one stupid feather. And he always just seems to keep it in his pocket. So, otherwise, this thing would be ruined. Because he yeah. lives an active life. Yeah. I, well, I don't know where he keeps it. Because you never see it unless it's a Kuchiku episode, right? 
But then whenever it is a Kuchiku episode, he's just always got it in his back pocket. So I don't know where he stashes this thing. He's not like folding it up because it's all, you know, it's just a feather. I don't know. I think the answer of where he keeps it is probably next to the aura changer. So wherever that is, is also where the peacock <laughs> feather is. In, um, in Exalted, Matt, which is a role-playing game if you're not familiar with it, you can like... Um, they have like uh, magic powers, like that, that will do that. Like, oh, you have your sword that like you don't want to carry it around with you. You just like activate your magic power, and it just disappears, and then you activate it again, and it like reappears in your hand. And they use they invented a concept for the game just called Elsewhere, uh-huh. and, and Elsewhere, like with a capital E, is just like where stuff gets stashed. Like so it is go- just like a separate like shard dimension full of giant swords. Yep, like you can't go there. Like nothing exists there. Like the only thing that is there is the stuff that you're stashing for like when you want it later. Like a bag okay. of holding it is in elsewhere apparently. I just thought like it's a really I don't know, I like it. And they all seem to have that you know, sort of otherworldly space where things disappear in and out yeah. of with no reason. So, so there you go. That's a good, that that is as good of an explanation as I care to delve into. <laughs> All right. So okay, we said that this was a short scene, but there is something I want to say about it before we move on. Oh yeah. So we haven't really seen Daigo much in these last few episodes. Like, I mean, he's been around with everybody else, but he hasn't yeah. been central at all right really and it, He's like just... there have been not a lot of great daigo moments right and this episode starts off with him by the docks holding the peacock feather so here's what i'm thinking <laughs> we recap episode 16 and then we jump right into episode 23 the entire time that they have all been dealing with like the ring priestess every moment that daigo is not on screen actively fighting someone he is down by the docks holding a feather, just saying Kujiku's <laughs> name over and over in like an increasingly intense way. I tell you what though, dude, if you were jonesing for some great Daigo moments, you oh, are dude. in luck. You are yes. in luck. You have reached the oasis of great Daigo moments, ladies and gentlemen. This episode is full of them. It's okay, let's just get into it, dude. Okay. Oh, the one thing, real quickly though, this this there is this short scene. But we see Kujaku, she's, like, somewhere else. Like, she is on another dock somewhere. But, like, a feather falls off of her, like, one of her, like, throwing dagger feather things. And it falls off of her, and it's blue when it hits the ground, and then it, like, fades into, like, a dull sort of brassy bronze color. And she's yeah, like, specifically, oh, it no. Is one of the, it's one of the feathers that's on her headdress. Okay, I did not catch that. But yeah, it falls off, and she's like obviously super worried about it. We don't know what's going on yet, but she she has like an idea, and she knows it's bad. And then she says something about like, oh, if only I had the sacred peacock tear. Yeah, the sacred peacock tear. Like, it would be fine. But, and I want you to remember this for later, she says, I don't have time to look for it. Like, I can't, like, I can't stop in my quest for revenge against Gara. I have to do that so i can't look for the sacred peacock tier that is important later yes very important but that's the end of this scene and we cut to the woods and yeah. in the woods there is a goa monster just riding around on horseback yeah and he is we can't like quite tell he's got like a big he's got like a robe on and then like a big head mask with the like covers part of his face we so we can't totally see what's going on with this dude 
Um, yeah, he's wearing some sort of a hood. His name actually—I had to look it up because the the translation we we're using didn't actually translate his name in yeah. the uh, <laughs> subtitles. Like, guys, come on! Like he had one job, <laughs> one job. You're supposed to take the Japanese words and turn them into English words so that I know what's happening. So it. Um, oh, so the guy's name is Heatwave Hood. Oh, okay. Well, that makes. The hood makes sense, and then the heat wave yeah. also makes sense. Because what we see is we see, like, it's just some people fishing, just, like, you know, extras. They're fishing. They're, like, chilling out. This dude Good shows up. He's on a horse. I don't know why, aside from the fact that it's cool. Dude, that must have been, as I think about it, it was a well-trained horse to let that dude up on it in that, like, crazy getup. Oh, yeah, dude. It's... It is a wild cast. I mean, okay, listen, it's a Goa monster. They're all right. wild costumes, but <laughs> horseback riding in one of those things seems preposterous. Yeah, uh, and so he, like, shows up, and the people who are fishing are like, what is, what the heck? What is going on with this guy? And he, like, lifts his hood up a little bit, and he, like, breathes fire on them, sort of. Like, it doesn't actually hit them, but they start, like, freaking out as though they are being burned, and they're like, oh, oh it's so hot. And it doesn't quite make sense, but then he says, like, ah, my fire will, like, give you a fever. So, I guess that's what's happening? Yeah, he's he's doing a few things. He's rolling around, because we see after this him sort of, like, terrorizing places. Right. He's shooting people with the fire, and it's, like, it is making them beat red and giving them what I can only assume is eventually some sort of fever that will get so bad that they will die from it. Right. Um, he's also using the fire to like wilt plants and dry up rivers and such. Yeah, just sort of causing general, general, yeah, like general problems. Havoc. Right. Um, and that's it. So this is just sort of an establishing shot for what's his name? Firehood. Heat, uh, Heatwave Hood. Hood. Heatwave Hood. So this is just kind of establishing thing for Heatwave Hood. We kind of get the idea. He's a fire-based monster, and he's burning people. It gets cooler. Oh, yeah. It gets a lot cooler. So we cut to uh, HQ Murder Basement, where yep. the Die Rangers are all gathered together, and Kaku is giving them the score about Heatwave Hood and telling them, okay, like, go out, deal with this problem, please. Right, like, this is the deal. These people blah, are all going to die blah. from their fevers unless you can go take out the Heatwave Hood. Right. We cut away. We see Heatwave Hood. The Rangers arrive. They, like, jump kick him. Again... Guys, maybe tension first. Like, really? <laughs> In story practica- practicality-wise, you're absolutely right. The only thing that I can imagine is that they want to have more sort of FaceTime for the actors in the talkie <sighs> Man, scenes. That makes sense. But anyway, so like they jump out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes, Matt, like despite the fact that we're in episode 23 of this show, sometimes... <laughs> I just like pause and think about what we're doing. And I'm like, what the heck, Rangers? Maybe tension first, and then you would be have, you know, then you would be able to fight the Goma more efficiently. And I was like, oh wait, Dave. <laughs> and then Dave. you remember what we are actually doing. <laughs> right. And really the absurdity of it sort of sinks in. <laughs> right. Like, this is now counting the movie episode, the twenty-fourth time we have sat down for an hour. To record (laughs) us talking about these people fighting monsters. Okay. From 1993. So so the Rangers jump kick, Heatwave Hood. 
Um, he like knock his head off, and then you see him like underneath the hood, and it's really cool. He's like his whole he's like made out of fire and stuff. It's neat. Um, yeah, again, I will uh, I'll put up a picture of this guy on the Twitter feed, and then you see you couldn't see this before because he was on a horse, but like his robe is sort of open, and you can see that his torso is like a furnace, like an old boiler style. Like boiler stoker furnace with like a grate in it and stuff. It's super cool looking. And so he says, like, ah, I've been waiting for you guys to arrive. You know, you kept me, you know, I've been impatient, etc. He goes back right. to attack. He's thrown some fireballs. Gara shows up. Right. Fight, fight, fight. Um, and then, dude, Shoji. Oh, like, dude, Shoji pulls down. out a great move. And this is this is the first time in a while that we've seen something good from Shoji too. Yeah. This actually, this a lot of things in this episode are nice showcases for some characters that we haven't really spent any time with in a while. Yeah. And Shoji, he hits Gara with like a gravity bomb or something. Uh, and then like straight up force chokes her. Like he just like Darth Vader like reaches his hand out and like lifts her into the air and she's like being like choke crushed whatever but like it's pretty intense yeah and he draws his sword and you can tell that he is about to like you know put whatever sort of finishing move he can figure out onto gara yeah and all of a sudden there's like an there's like we see something fly by and there's an explosion and like you know shoji's concentration is broken and gara sort of like gets away kind of yeah, or at least she escapes from the gravity trap that she's stuck in. Right. Um, and what we see is that it's Kujaku. She's like up on a ridge somewhere, and she has interrupted Shoji's attack, and everybody's like, Kujaku, what what the heck? Like, why? What's going on? And what is going on is that basically she's pulling in a Kamaru. She's like, yeah. oh no, like, you can't kill this person. I'm going to kill this person. Which, seriously, Kujaku, like... Not only, not only is that sort of like a villain move, we have literally seen like the head villain of the last seven episodes pull that exact move, I think not an episode beforehand. No, it was last episode. Yeah. It's like, could you, no, you can't do that. That's not how the heroes operate. In all fairness, Kujiku might not have seen episode 22. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah. She... Anyway, so the Rangers are understandably very <laughs> right. upset about this because oh, yeah, then Gar escapes. Yeah, they are furious. Uh, like they are about—they're so angry that Shoji is about to just attack Kujaku. Like, I mean, he's a, he is ready to throw down, uh, but Daigo kind of like jumps in and like pulls Shoji back and is like, "No, you can't. I'm sure, like, blah blah blah. There's a reason." Uh, and that's when Shoji or Kijuku rather drops the line. She's like, "No, I will be the one to kill her." And everyone's like, "Wait, what? Seriously, Kijuku?" And then it's sort of like this scene just sort of ends from there. Yeah, everyone sort of escapes or disperses in their various directions, and we head back to Die Ranger HQ, murder basement, and they are all standing around talking about well. Four of them are standing around talking to Kaku about how terrible Kujaku is. Yeah, Shoji specifically. Yeah, like he, nobody's happy about it, furious. but Shoji is the one who's like really upset. Understandably so. Like he was oh, about sure. to, you know, lay the hammer down on Gara, and here she comes. Down. But 
But then Daigo hops in and says, no, 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 like, you have to understand, she's very upset, she's trying to, like, give up her hatred for Gara, but it's very difficult for her. Yeah. And basically just trying to make excuses for her. And yeah. my notes actually just say, Daigo is trying to cover for his girl. That is exactly what he's doing, because yeah. Rin hops in, he's like, wait, are you, are you with us or are you with her? And he yeah, just like, drops the bomb, like, oh, like... I love her. I love Kujaku. And, <laughs> and then we get, and like, close-up shots on everybody's reaction faces. Yeah. And they are, like, they're just not impressed. Okay. Three like, of them surprised. aren't impressed. Shoji's face is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, he throws is. up the eyebrow as though he is the rock. Like, oh, yeah, that man. is the look on his face. It is beautiful. <laughs> Again, I, I've got a lot of pictures to put up from this episode, but I'll try to remember to get that one up as well. Yeah, but they do, like, the other rangers straight up do not accept this as an excuse. Like, there is no intimation of, like, oh, Daigo, we didn't know, and, like, we will help you. The other rangers are just like, well, you have to deal with that. And then they just leave. Yeah. <laughs> they just sort of storm out. Leaving Daigo alone with his pronouncement. Well, he's not alone because Kaku's there. Right. Kaku's just sitting on his pedestal. Right. And uh, Kaku basically says, and the gist of what he says is something like, yes, it's great to be in love, but like you have to like fight with your teammates. Alongside your teammates. Alongside your teammates. He's like, you got to figure this out. Like, there's no advice. No, like, of course not. Really it's clear. Kaku. Kaku does not actually offer his protege any, like, actionable advice. He doesn't tell him what he should do. He just says, like, bro, you got to figure this out. And then that's yeah. it. <laughs> you are in a pickle, son. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kaku. We know. Okay, so we cut from there, and we go to a field. And in that field, Kujiku is squaring off against Gara. They're not fighting yet. They're just shouting yeah, at each other. This is showdown at high noon style. Like, they're each on the opposite end of the field. It is about to happen. And Gara lays the truth down on Kujiku and says, listen, I hated you long before we got into this grudge match where I had... Yeah, before you hated me. Yeah, I was here first. And we don't know why. And Kujiku's like, wait, what? Really? And Gara's like, I will show you why. And she, like, puts her glove up to hide her face. And then she, like, takes the glove away. And you can see that she has, like, a scar admittedly kind of a gross one like eh. a pretty severe one on her on her face and she's it like a, that's why the classic scar down the side of your cheek right and it's like seriously that you and <laughs> like like a multi-millennial grudge match because she scars your face oh dude it gets better than that but we don't see any further in this episode. But yeah, oh, that is okay. that is the deal, is that Gara had it out for Kujiku because she because of this scar on her cheek. Ah, and now, Dave, I okay. want to take a moment and remind you of something. Are you about to talk about the lipstick songstress? I am, yeah. Yeah. The lipstick songstress is like this. If you recall from the earlier episodes, she had like basically the exact same scar on her cheek and went into a mad frenzy to oh, try yeah. to kill Rin because she had caused it. Yeah, totally do. And so Lipstick Songstress is actually like a cool sort of foreshadowing of the conflict between 
Gara and Kujiku with it, like the scar thing. It's an eight. It's a it's a cool. Oh, it is. No, that's nice. It is also really good foreshadowing of the notion that Goma are trifling. Like seriously, <laughs> like that's what you got. I mean, whatever. Like you're going for world domination, and that's what you entered a thousand year grudge match over. But uh, anyway, so like, <laughs> oh, and then actually, Kujiku does the absolute worst thing. She does the absolute worst thing. I'm sure as Garo would perceive it, she doesn't remember. Oh, yeah. like, I will destroy you because of this, don't you rub this thing you did to me. And Kujiku's like, I did what? Huh? Which I'm sure, like, is even worse for Gara. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is you like, remember? Yeah. you know, it's like I scar a lot of faces, lady. Right. Good line. Or more accurately, that the best version of that is from the Street Fighter movie. Where the oh, day yeah. that Bison came oh, to your village yeah. and killed your father was the most significant day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, guys. The Street Fighter movie is terrible. Oh, it's straight it's, up garbage. But it's, <laughs> it's a steaming pile of hot garbage. But <laughs> Raul Julia, that movie, watch it anyways. Watch it anyways, just for Raul Julia, because that dude eats scenery alive. Like he just chews it up, it and is, spits it out like Superman so style. Good that he makes up for everything else, and then you get some good Jean Claude Van Damme stuff in there too. But <laughs> dude, it's so glorious. <laughs> he put he pays. I don't want to ruin too much of it, but Bison dollars. Oh yeah, dude, Bison dollars. They will be worth what five <laughs> British pounds. <laughs> forget long story short like he hires some mercenary he plays m bison and he hires some mercenary to do something for him and the mercenary comes back and he's like where's my money and m bison pays him in currency that he himself has minted it's got his face on it and everything it's it's fantastic and it's not worth anything but he's like no 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 once i take over the world this will be super valuable so it's just hang on tons of money just, it'll appreciate Okay. Oh man, Raul Julia, um, gone too soon. Gone uh, too yeah. soon, Matt. Uh, Anyway, was it seriously? Yeah. That I if you watch that, that movie, it be like it has an opening like screen card that's like in loving memory of Raul Julia, and oh, and that was the movie. That does sound vaguely familiar. They, he was like super sick already, and he did it because his kids wanted him to. Basically, once oh. again showing that Raul Julia was an awesome guy. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. Moving on from weird bummer thoughts about Raul, Raul Julia. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kujiku and Gara start to fight, and it's a cool fight. Yeah, it is. It's pretty rad. Um, actually, whatever these two square off, it's a pretty cool fight because they both have neat powers, and they, you know, one uses a sword and one uses two daggers. And right, yeah. There's like some cool like special effects. Like Gara's like a they turn her into like a blur, and she's like kind of bouncing around fighting. Like it was pretty neat. But their um, fight is uh, is interrupted by the yeah. arrival of the heatwave hood. Well, heatwave hood shows up like, and then Daigo, like I can't even remember which one shows up first, but Daigo also shows up. Well, what happens is heatwave hood shows up and he starts to blast her with this fire attack, which okay. is some sort of like flaming trap from which she cannot escape. Got it. Daigo oh, shows right. up and tries to save her, but also is there just the like trap. a little bit too late, so he also gets sucked in. Yeah, and what he does, well, you said it, you meant he sucked in. Basically, he, like, 
heatwave hood that is, like breathes fire on them and then like inhales the fire back but takes them with the fire. So he like sucks them in like Kirby style. And they're now trapped inside his like furnace body. Specifically, Matt, his scorching hell. Yes, it is referred to as his scorching hell, which I want you to remember that terminology because I'm going to get back to it. Oh, yeah. Uh... So that's it. And then we just sort of see, like, we jump from that fight into the scorching hell that is Heatwave Hood's internal body, I guess. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe he has some sort of, like, dimensional thing within there. Who yeah, knows? That would work. It's all a little vague, frankly. Yeah. But so it's Daigo and Kujiku, and they're in this, like, fiery cave. There's, like, gouts of fire coming around. It's all, like, red and stuff. And Kujiku is, like, sort of emotionally defeated. Yeah, she's man, saying, she's, like, we'll never get out of here. This is the end. Daigo, because he's the best, basically says, no, like, we will we will escape. Like, don't give up. Like, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's like, remember great, when but... you were trapped inside of a monster before? Like, you know, you were able to escape from that. I was able to help you. We'll do it again. It'll be great. Right. And then she says, well, it's not exactly the same because my body is not the same as it used to be. And he's like, what? And we finally get the explanation as to what is happening with these feathers that are falling off of her headdress. Actually, I think we got a little uh, tease of it earlier when she was talking to Gara. Uh, yeah, maybe something. Oh, yeah, we did. But the explanation is she's from, like, the Dai tribe 6,000 years ago or whatever. And she, her body is, like, not used to the pollution of modern Earth. Yeah, and I get the feeling that the Goma are fine because either because they are evil or because they were not locked away in the same way that um, Kujiku was. Eh, either one works. But regardless, their bodies are not being rotted away by the pollution of the modern atmosphere. <laughs> right. Which is the terminology that at least the translator uses, that her body is rotting. Yeah, no, it was good. You call in Captain Planet. Why haven't we gotten a Captain Planet reboot, man? I would watch a live-action Captain Planet movie. Dave, uh, we had the same digression like three weeks ago. <laughs> did we? Well, yes. I would still watch it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Daigo says, isn't there anything that could help? And she says, remember from earlier, she says, oh, there is one thing that would save me. The sacred peacock tear. That is the one thing in this world that will save my life, will save my body from rotting away until I die. The sacred peacock tear. Dave, you may be asking yourself, is this the sacred peacock tear that she was too busy to search for earlier in the episode? The answer think, is yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. It is. Yeah, yeah, the one thing in the planet that would on the planet that would save her from dying she is too busy to find because it would distract her in her quest for revenge dude dave she's got a thirst for vengeance and you dude, know what rotting body or no she is going to kill that lady dude she is dehydrated she's so thirsty <laughs> yeah man she is i said sorry that is a pre-canned line uh because like when you get kids like if a, if i you know, if a kid gets in trouble for, like, being late to class or something, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you have detention or whatever it is. Like, whatever is appropriate. And they're like, Mr. Jones, why are you so thirsty? And I'm like, I am dehydrated. You'll get in trouble every time. 
don't show up late to class. I'm actually fairly lax. I'm actually probably a little too lax about stuff, to be honest. But uh, the dehydrated line is a line that I use a lot, and I feel good about it every time. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> okay. So she says, sacred peacock tear would save me. And Daigo says, I will like find it and I will save you. And she's like, oh, I think you've done something a little foolish because now you're trapped in here with me and you'll die too. And he says, like, no, we are getting you out. And then he proceeds to be an absolute boss. Oh, yeah. Well, he okay, real quickly, Matt, he does say, he says, even if I died, I would have done it trying to save the person I love. And so it wouldn't be foolish. And Gujaku's like, yes, wait, what? (laughs) Like, you can see it sink in, and then she reacts. So Daigo gets up, and he walks over to, like, the the Scorching Hell set is sort of like this big cave with fire all in it right dude this is this is so good remember when he told you you're about to get a whole bunch of great daigo scenes they're starting now so daigo walks over to the cave wall and just like he does he does an aura change and i think that's because he's stuck inside the goma monster and like the yoryoku inside there is stopping him from accessing his kiryoku this is my guess at any rate that's no, that was strong. Headcanon game on point, dude. That was that was solid. But he goes through the motions of like you know, uh, you know, Tenma Ranger, etc., and uh, <laughs> like so does good. a little like focusing move, and then just starts punching the wall. <laughs> just starts punching the wall. <laughs> yeah, man, relentlessly, like, and like continues to do it until the scene is over. And like yeah. there doesn't appear to be any progress, but he is just like focusing on his chi and punching the wall relentlessly. <laughs> it's so good. So <laughs> okay, we cut out of here. We cut back to murder basement. Right. The other four die rangers meet up and they say we can't find Daigo. There's an emergency. Right. Wave Hood is on the loose. We need to go find him. Where is he? He's so irresponsible. Whatever. Right. They don't know like they're what he's up. Clearly, to. sort of annoyed about it. And then. Kaku, they turn to him and they say, do you know where he is? And then he opens his eyes wide. He's like, can't you feel the battle chi? Yeah. Fantastic. Because Daigo is summoning so much chi to punch his way out of hell (laughs) for the sake of his loved one and his friends that that Kaku can feel it from headquarters. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay, so we jump to where uh heatwave hood is and we see like gara is there and like heatwave hood looks away and she's like okay well i'll just like now is the time to seal her fate forever or something and she pulls out her sword and it looks as though she is about to kill heatwave hood oh no she flat out says i'm like thinks to herself i'm going to kill heatwave hood while they're inside of him and then all three will die and it'll be great Right, so she is straight up willing to kill her own dude to get at Kujiku, which is cold. And is about to do it when the other four Dire Rangers show up and interrupt her. Yeah. Uh, they all get into a fight. Um, right. And, fight you know, fight. it's standard the fight. fight. Is, yeah, the fight isn't particularly anything particularly interesting. Although there was uh, one moment real quickly that, like, there's a lull in the fighting... And Gara says to the Rangers, like, oh, 
Daigo and Kujaku are like inside Heatwave Hood. If you kill him, then you will also kill them. So go for it if you want to. Or like, you know, like you always do. Which was, it stood out to me only because before now, we have never gotten like an explicit statement that like, yes, the Dying Rangers are very definitely killing these monsters. You know what I mean? Because if it was like a kid's TV show, in my head they would be like defeated somehow. But not like dead. But I don't in- know, man. I feel like we've gotten, you know, like the Ring Priestess was upset because Kiba Ranger, according to her, had murdered her two sisters. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I guess it just sort of struck me. But yeah, Anyways. whenever it's said that explicitly, it does sort of... Uh, it's a little bit weird, I yeah. guess, just maybe to American sensibilities. But yeah, so they definitely... Definitely killing. And so they're like, oh, like, you know, that's a dirty cheat. And But they're yeah. trying to fight Heatwave Hood, <laughs> but not kill him. Right. Shoji particularly is super pissed off about it. Listen, Shoji, that is another example of Shoji's weird sense of honor. Yeah, um, that's very strange. Which we will continue to see. Actually, we'll see it quite a bit next week. Uh, oh, cool. I'm super looking forward to. Next week is a real Shoji episode. But... With the Rangers trying to not kill Heatwave Hood, they start to lose the fight. Yeah. And Daigo, uh, I forget how, but he knows it. Yeah, like we cut inside to like Scorching Heatwave Hood, Scorching Hell, and Daigo just definitely looks like he is about to enter beast mode. Like things are about to get even realer. Like his his gloves are ripped his knuckles are bleeding oh yeah and man and he's still in, like super intense and he is just like pounding on this wall it's great and at this point he's starting to break through like yeah he actually he is he gets, redoubling like, his efforts hole. yeah and kujaku realizes that like this is the moment like if they're gonna do it they have to do it now so she summons her strength and she infuses daigo's fists with her rainbow key. And so now yeah. Daigo, empowered by the rainbow chi of the woman oh, dude. he loves, punches his, the like, cave wall to his, escape hell to save his friends. And it's dude, the his, best like, thing. His fists are like glowing. And every time he punches the wall, there is like a burst of like rainbow colored lightning striking, like arcing out from his fists as he smashes his way and like, through this wall. Every it's time like, the hole gets a little bigger and a little bit more light streams in. Oh, it's fantastic. Guys, I mean, seriously, even if you don't watch the show, like, regularly, if you just listen to us talk about it, uh, thanks, first of all. But also, like, go find this episode. Like, it's on the internet. Just watch the second half of it. Daigo goes nuts. It's amazing. So, without drawing this out too much longer, like, Daigo manages to punch his way out of the scorching cow. <laughs> Right, from which no one had ever escaped before. No one ever in all of time. But no he... one ever in all of time has escaped except Daigo with the fury of his punches. So, the fury of love, Dave. Right, as manifested by lightning punches. Exactly. Which is, I think, probably the best manifestation of love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My notes actually just say lightning punches in all caps. So, as he's doing this and about to escape, Gara recognizes, like, oh, like... Crap, this is about to happen. And so mm. she pulls out her sword and is about to kill uh, Heatwave Hood. And actually does. Like, she, like, cuts Heatwave Hood's head off. 
Yeah. But it happens like a, you know, they escape a split second beforehand. Right. They sort of, you know, the energy flows out of him and they escape. And then yeah. Heatwave Hood falls over. Yeah. So Gara does the thing. They manage to, like, get out. They sort of, like, chi teleport out or something. It's not very clear. The other rangers sort of rally around Daigo and Kuchiku. Shoji is like, Daigo, why did you pull such like, a foolhardy move? Like, what are you, crazy? It's like, dude, Daigo literally would have died. Like, he would be dead right now. That was not, that was the best move. That was not a foolhardy oh, I, move. I thought that Shoji was talking about it was crazy to go off on his own to try to save Kuchiku. Oh, okay. That actually makes way more sense. But, you know, it's one of those things that, like, Shoji is angry at him, but it's the sort of anger that you express towards a friend that, right. like, you know, like, he's glad to see him safe. But is like processing it through anger, I guess. Right. It's just like, how could you worry me like that? Kind of. Exactly. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Because for all of his like worthlessness sometimes, Shoji really does have a heart of gold. Yeah. Dude, he's uh, the warrior of love. Bullet Shoji. He's it's immortal. Fantastic. That's right. He's immortal. <laughs> he can never die. <laughs> anyway, so while they're doing this, we find out that Heatwave Hood is not, in fact, dead. He. Throws the enlarging bomb. He enlarges. Daigo leads the Rangers in a pretty intense uh, <laughs> tension. Like, he is oh, not happy. His face has not dialed down from the intensity that it had <laughs> in the scorching hell. No, it has not. And so uh, they tension. They summon their Kaiden beasts. They, like, you know, they go. They turn into Dairino. They fight for a second. And then, this is also fantastic. Oh, yeah. This is another great move. Yeah. I think we've seen something like this before, but I don't remember exactly what it was. But, like, apparently when the Rangers are plugged into Dairano, they can use, like, the Kiryoku of the Kaiden Beasts to generate, like, Dairano-sized versions of their special powers. Yeah, it's great. I think we've seen it with the individual Kaiden beasts before. I don't recall having seen it with the, like, full-on Dairano. Oh, maybe. But anyways, uh, he hits Heatwave Hood with the Phantom Train. Like, you see Dairano, like, does the thing, and then Heatwave Hood just gets brained (laughs) with the train. Yeah, the the Phantom Train. And then they pull out a sword and blow him up. Yeah, then then the fight sort of proceeds as you would expect. Um, and so Heatwave Hood is defeated, and we get the last scene in the episode where they're back in a field somewhere. It might be the same field as before, but it Dude, doesn't who really knows? matter. And um, Kujiku is saying that she's going to go and leave. She is sort of, she realizes now that the most important thing for her is to go find the sacred peacock tier. Right. So that she can Thank save her, you. so that A, she can live, and B, she can be a more effective ally for the Die Rangers. Right. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go. Uh, there is like a moment, a wordless moment that passes between Daigo and Kujiku. It seems like it very clearly would have preferably been sort of a private moment but the rangers have no concept of privacy (laughs) as regards each other and so they are all there witnessing this moment and so they are all like haha daigo 
And then that's kind of it. Yeah, she flies off and Shoji walks up. He's like, yeah, Kujiku will definitely be back. Like, everything's cool. Good old bullet Shoji. And that's it. That's the end of episode 23. Dave, I think I can guess, but what is your high point of the episode? Lightning punches, clearly. Yeah, punching your way out of hell with the power of love to save your best friends is... (laughs) Amazing! Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah, it doesn't get, I mean, this is, okay, guys, there are high points and low points to, like, anime. Like, there are things about it that are great, and there are things about it that are goofy uh, and kind of lame. But I will say, you know, punching your way out of hell with the power of love to save your best friends is a sort of, (laughs) like, it seems like a sort of uniquely anime slash Sentai style thing to do. And I love it. I love it every time. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, what is your low point? Huh, low point? Uh, I'm going to say that my low point is that is Gara being trifling. Like, just seriously? This, a scar? Like, that's what you're... Of course, on the other hand, maybe that's great. Because it does sort of illustrate... The sort their of pettiness of the Goma, yeah. Yeah, that the Goma are sort of, like, fueled by this, like, you know, petty hatred. Like, yes, I will absolutely try to destroy you for 6,000 years because you, like, scratched my face. So that's, you know, that worked. That's actually, so it was sort of a low point, but it, it makes sense. Okay, I'm going to say my high point this week is, um, well, I mean, obviously my real high point would be uh, Daigo, but right for the sake of spreading things out a bit, um, I am going to say it is Shoji. Shoji's, okay. you know, like he had some great moments this episode. The cool gravity attack early on it was great. Yeah, that was pretty rad. Um, it was just a really cool thing. You know, he had a nice, couple of nice mo- moments this episode, and he is my high point. My low point, you know, for my low point, I'm going to say I didn't even notice it until right now when I was flipping through my notes trying to remember what my low point would be. Mm-hmm. But Ko's not in this episode, like at all. He that's does your, not appear. That's your low point? You know, it is. And I'm a little Do- surprised. <laughs> Dude, I thought I noticed that halfway through, and it was almost my high point. Uh, you know, it's weird, because so far, we've only seen Ko in, like, a Ko story. And so, it would okay, have been nice to have seen him pop up in somebody else's story to see how he sort of works, you know? Right. As just a member of the team. Yeah, that makes sense. I could think that. Okay, so that's my low point. And Dave, normally, this is where we'd finish the episode, but... It is. But I have something else to throw in. Because you know what else I watched today? This is a surprise to me. I watched the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode, Where There's Smoke, There's Fire. Season 2. Oh, no way. Do they fight? I don't know what... Oh, Season 2... Whatever episode number it is. It doesn't matter. It's called Where There's Smoke, There's Fire. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, And this is the episode where the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fight Flamehead, who is, of course, oh. our uh, our heatwave hood. Nice. And let me just give you a quick rundown as to what happens in this episode. Um, Aisha, the Yellow Ranger, okay. is uh, put in charge of being the point person for Angel Grove High School's Fire Safety Week. Uh, she immediately becomes a petty tyrant and is demanding that everyone do exactly <laughs> what she says to try to save people from, like, fire danger. 
uh, becomes extremely bossy and way too into it, and everyone is, like, super annoyed by her. Then a fire monster shows up because Lord Zed sees that they are talking about fire this week, and so he sends mm-hmm. a fire monster. She insists that it is her responsibility to take it out by herself because she is, of course, the student lead for fire safety. Right. Um, goes off by herself, realizes that she can't do it on her own, and they all learn a valuable lesson about teamwork. Nice. <laughs> so, there you go. There's Flamehead in Where There's Smoke, <laughs> There's Fire. Right uh, on. Going forward, um, I'm going to try to watch the Power Rangers episodes and give little bits like this, um, just so that you, Dave, can really fully appreciate just how tonally different the two shows are oh dude matt it's i uh, first i already have it pulled up on my netflix as of right now okay and so that that now is going to do it for another episode of live and let die ranger before we finish up here i'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at super sentai brothers at gmail.com and if you want to get any further updates on episodes or just what we're up to the pictures that i'm going to be putting up um, we are on Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps people find the show. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.